folks, I'm here today with Gordon who came and visited me. Uh, we're going to do some voiceover because he's got that brilliant English accent and he's going to lend that for, for the video. What else are we going to do today? Well, we're going to see how it goes, aren't we? The best, yes. the best conversations, they say, are spontaneous. They One idea leads to another. So That's let, right. Let's, 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 let's hope that that will apply <laughs> today and we end up with a nice, with something nice in the can, I think is the... Is the expression. Something nice in the can. Yeah. yeah, and another thing, folks. Uh, me and Gordon are going to open a channel when Gordon will help me to speak better English. Watch it. Subscribe it. He's, he's the man that uh, speaks uh, with so-called RP, Received Pronunciation, yeah. that may, not many actually English people do. There's only like 5% of you in the whole... Uh, uh, country. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lowish figure, but on the other hand, look at it from another perspective, how much more variety there is in our, our spoken language. So there's there's there's, there's, go, there's gains and losses, there's pros and cons in in everything really, if you if you think about it. But there was a time when, barring Wilfred Pickles, of whom more and on, you'd be very lucky to hear on good old. Steam radio, as they say, BBC, a, a voice other than the standards London, the South East, posh, received pronunciation, which I think is a great pity because there are people from up north, from Wales, from Ireland, uh, from the West Country, Corn Cornwall, for example, and they have wonderful vocabulary, beautiful, quite melodic accents and and ways of speaking and listening to some of the recordings of events on the old BBC Radio Home service it seems very very bland fair and you can see why comedians got laughed by, by, by sending it up but today we have all sorts of people speaking on the radio we have the rappers and all sorts like of accents. All sorts, all of, sorts accents. of accents. It's actually one of the BBC policies now to introduce Inclusive. the accents. Yeah, inclusivity they call it. Inclusivity. Andy Warhol said that everyone would be famous for fifteen minutes. So perhaps here's my my little bit of. Andy, sorry, fun. what did you say? Andy Warhol, oh, what? He said everyone will be famous for fifteen minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose if you, have, if you have more famous people round, then at 15 minutes, maybe all that anyone gets. In the past, say famous people had an hour or two hours. But now, with so many, if people get more famous and so on, and they're more inclusive in every sense, then we'll find that 15 minutes may not be a bad estimate of how, how long people are famous for. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> there's so many of us, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. creators it. who want to be. Yeah, yeah. that's it. We're 15 minutes is a lot. Changing. And I've noticed that, that there's a lot of actually artists are there for just short time. A lot of them, not many of them are there for many years. I always respect them the most. Those guys who can stay for 10 years and, and produce quality content, basically. Well, that's right. There's a lot to be said for staying the course. And 
often you, you, you wonder when someone's singing a song or whatever, and, or appearing on telly and so on, and then you think, whatever happened to them? Yeah, the one hit wonders bunch. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> There's a few of them. Yeah, loads of them. Yeah, lots of them. You could probably make up a whole pop chart of one hit wonders, couldn't you? Yes. It's, uh, it's, sometimes I think I should be fo- focusing, instead of doing what I'm doing, focusing on a song, producing a song, yeah. working on it five years every day, producing a hit, uh, because you've got, after five years, you, something will come out. Hopefully a hit. That, if not that song, you wasted five years, but otherwise you live off that song. And well, five yeah, years gives yeah. you a lot of time and possibilities. I, I know. But then what, what makes a hit? You see, Look, thinking back over the years, the stuff that's been number one, we're going to use that as the measure. So, have a hit means to get into the top 20 or top 40 or whatever. And what you want to do, and not everyone can do it, is of course is to, is to be number one. And you think of all the number ones there have been, some predictable ones by the Beatles or the Stones or whatever. But there are some odd things novelty records, things like that, seasonal things come out of Christmas. Yeah, but what, what actually makes a hit? I don't, there's no simple answer in my judgment. Well, there must be good melody, good lyrics, that's, that's what, what the, that makes a hit. I think the, the, you know what good music is. Yep. The, the, a good music is... Uh, music of any... any we're talking pop music here, but any music of any genre, it has to say something. My, my own personal means of evaluating music of any sort is after I've heard it, would I want to hear, hear that again? That's right. And, and for me, that is always the. And, and there's. there's a... The test. And, and and on top of that, there's the novelty words of quickly. So oh, if you want sense. to hear a new song, it has to be a new one. Yeah. Every song will get uh, basically boring after a while. Oh, yeah. Do it you can do it and then you can edit out. There's, 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 there's one or two nuggets of wisdom which are worth preserving, aren't there, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's a metaphor from when they used to go, with a with a pan, when the streams which had gold in, they used to pan the gold, and the and the nuggets of gold, little metallic lumps, would sort of shine. Say, ah, there's a nugget there. Oh, and then you go through and you shovel a couple of pans of earth or gravel from the bottom of the stream, and there's nothing. And then suddenly, gleam. There's the nugget. So, so in, in 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 all of this. There is a few. You, you, you've got the, the, these little bits which are worth yeah. preserving. Gordon, so you reckon the pace of life have changed a lot? Yes, it's gone. It's, it's very fast now. There's no leisure. In the old days, just think about it. If you wanted to something, you could go online and order it or whatever. You had to go into the shop or you had to write a letter to someone and then you post the letter and it, it would hang around the post for a couple of days, then you get your response back. Nowadays, we eat it instantly, don't we? I, I like that, so you click on it and so on. 
Yeah, so the whole place is is different. Yeah, this ties in with something I was reading by Bill Bryson. He used to work in Bournemouth during his early days in in, in journalism for the Bournemouth Evening Echo, and he remembers that it was a very leisurely pace of things then. And he says, on his return to Bournemouth, seeing all the old shopping places, the famous names, some of them, like Woolworths and so on, have all gone. Mm-hmm. And people seem to have more leisure, more more time to do things. Now? But now... They used now, to... But I... now, um, as Bill Bryson says, rather sadly, it was a pace for a different age. We just wouldn't tolerate it now, would we? We want things now. In some ways, that's a pity. So you reckon people actually spend less time on leisure than they used to? Almost almost certainly, because people are working longer hours, people got second jobs and so on, and mm. uh, they're, they're pursuing different career ideas and different activities through the electronic media and so on. Like myself. Yes, indeed. Say... Good, good example. That's a very good example. <laughs> yeah. So I'm losing... This is the, uh, because of that I've lost a lot of time that I could spend for leisure. Well, yes, because we, sadly, we, the time is the one resource of which we don't have enough. You can use it sensibly, you can, in a sense, make it, make time. You can say, well, if I do everything in the morning, then I'm free in the afternoon. Okay, but you, you, can't, you can't create time, you can't alter its pace and so on. And that, that's a given that you've only got each and every one of us, whatever other resources we've got, we just have 24 hours a day. I mean, I can't, I can't alter that. But are you trying to say that I'm actually losing the, the, the time? Well, effectively, effectively, yeah, because if you, if you start your day with, say, 24 hours and you spend two hours online or whatever, then that two hours you, you literally have not got anymore. Yes. Well, I'm doing this for for the future generations. <laughs> yeah. I'm documenting. You yeah, know? and that's, that's that's noble of you because that's what it's all about. We we are, if you think about it, we are making history, aren't we? We tend to make history as 1066 and gunpowder plots and all this, but but no, we are making history. What we do now will become the past that historians study. Could you tell me the characteristics of RP pronunciation? Or is there something you've studied before? Or because you've got it, but you may not know what you have it because it's not. Well, we know what we've got till it's gone, do we? No. <laughs> As with everything in life, no, it was received. It was. It was. In a, in a sense, it was what was acceptable. Um, this this let's put it like this: in the old days, a gentleman has short back and sides hair and so a tie and a collar, and that was the received, that was the appropriate conventional way of doing things. Whereas if people then started letting their hair grow or dyeing it or growing a beard as I'm attempting to do at the moment, then that, that was somehow non-standard. It was standardisation and the average and anything which seemed to deviate from that was perceived as slightly improper because you had your proper, your proper, that's the proper thing to do. I remember my mum saying this to 
that's not very nice, is it? That's not the proper thing to do. I forget what it was now, so it can't have been that important. And that that that, that was it. People turn on the radio and they would expect someone to be talking nicely. And they wouldn't expect a Scottish accent or a Yorkshire accent. Wilfred Pickles, perhaps, apart. <laughs> so, so, trouble is it became anything, any rule or regulation or expectation becomes something of a of a straitjacket. It's just it's a standard, yes, certainly, but then it becomes a straitjacket and things things which don't fit that model tend to be looked down on because people in London, the BBC, the intelligentsia at the time, they were it, they set the standards and all this. And I think how it happened is understandable, but then again, we're talking about, you don't know what we've got till it's gone. But I think it would be a terrible pity if we all spoke like BBC newsreaders. <laughs> There'd be no variety for one thing, would there? The, what, what, um, did your parents have uh, any regional accents? Yes, my my mum retained something of a West Country accent because her ancestors came from Dorset, and I think there's one branch of the family which came from the Channel Islands, from 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 Guernsey. Oh. So there was an element of rather rustic West Country speech patterns in some of my mum's ancestors. I see. My my dad came from expatriate Scots who'd settled in London. Right. So my dad had a standard Hampshire accent. And I, I, I slip into it from time to time. Yeah. All right. Can and you can you can you can you say something in the Hampshire accent? That's Hamp- Southampton. Hampshire. Hampshire. Oh. Let's let, 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 let's see. And also, my my parents had a great deal of contact with the Romani people during the Romani people. Yeah, upbringing. And there's one word, mush. Which, which I can remember my dad and my mum saying all the time. They called me Mush. And my my dad used to call everyone Mush. What's that? Mush. It's a. I'm 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 told it's a it's a Romany word for for person or. Or, or individual. All right. Were there a lot of Romani in Southampton? There were quite a few, and especially out, outside Southampton into the New Forest when they used to, used to camp. Okay. The caravans at one time. All right. So. Are we talking about the the Romani gypsy or yes. the, the the Irish travellers? Well, I've, I've encountered both 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 sorts, but certainly in in those days, Mum was brought up by family members in a brickyard, a place where they used to build did make bricks, and there was lots of seasonal casual work, and the Romani genuine and the Irish travellers used to come along and do 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 jobs in the summer. Right, so there were both of them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Southampton. I've never been, but it's a fairly big city. How many people live in Southampton, Gordon? 
about 300,000 at the last, last count, I remember. I'm not into statistics and census. And how things. far is it from London? It's about 80 miles. 80 miles, is that yeah. all? That's not too far. Not too far, no. And there's, there's, a, there's a good good train service when they're not on strike, so yeah, it's <laughs> easy to get to. I see, I see. Worth a visit, if only to see the Titanic Museum. Right. You remember? Yeah. The little historic side. Oh, right, because Titanic left from Southampton. It did. It I was, see. It, it was built in Belfast on the other side of the Irish Sea. It was registered, I think, in Liverpool. I stand to be corrected on that. But it sailed in April 1912 to to the United States. Maiden voyage. And apart from a, a call-off in the south of Ireland, it then went across the Atlantic. And as we know, sadly, didn't get there because it hit the iceberg. And there, there is a legend that Captain Smith, captain of the Titanic, was asked by a lady going up the gangplank, how safe is your ship? And he's supposed to have said, this story may be apocryphal, but madam, not even God himself could sink this ship. And, and I always, in my more naughty moments, think of God saying, yes, I'll show him, I'll show him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Christian? No, I, no. I was brought. I was brought up in the Church of England. Yes. Because my mum, my mum was was she'd have called herself a Christian, and but it was very much a Protestant Christianity. Because I remember her getting a bit stroppy one Christmas Eve when on television the songs of praise or whatever it was called went to a Roman Catholic church and I think mum regarded Catholics as a bit out of the out of the loop but then again the history of this country is very strange we're all in nominally Christians but you think of all the different monarchs who embraced either the Roman church the Catholic church or the or Henry VIII's Protestant church that he set up to allow him to do what he wanted. Yes. And the alternations between Catholic and Protestant in this country and the associated massacres and so on. Yeah. I, I sometimes wonder how we come very far, but then when I think that we don't, we don't now burn our bishops, set fire to them in public for having the wrong beliefs, do we? I know. <laughs> it's crazy. So you, that's why you you basically left the left the left the Christianity. Well, I, 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 I never really joined it. I suppose you never really really joined it. No, I was I was <laughs> I was I was baptized as all children were in those days. That was part of the ritual of entering. So religion and life were a very carefully enmeshed. If if I'd been born in say. Um, Let's see. Off the top of my head, a, a, a country where the, where the Muslim faith is the is 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 the foundation. Or if I were born into the Jewish religion, yes, then then that that would determine my beliefs and my outlook on outlook on life and things like that. 
but I, I think one can take a, a more sceptical view of, of this thing. Um, if you think about it, why should the world have been made in six days or made at all? And there is the supposedly philosophical argument that, well, if there's no God, how is anything here? But then again, to me, that begs the question because it, you're assuming that only by having a God who made it is it here, but there may be other reasons besides. P, you know, what yeah. is RP? And, uh, Receive pronunciation. Yeah. We, 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 but then it's, we, it, it, it's just... It's just Convention. I don't know whether it's applied in other countries, but would would say someone in in, in France be expected to speak like the announcer on the ORTF or whatever, <laughs> or in Germany, uh, whatever it's supposed to talk like the this this is the the the, the, the Deutschland Funk or whatever they they could <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I, I, and to some extent we can only talk about our own culture because that's all we're, we have our own personal um, experience experience of and hang on to yeah but certainly in the, in the before things started getting more liberal in the 60s then everyone was expected to talk as if there were a BBC announcer and so on in the 60s and you got and you got very well, the sixties obviously was got liberation when all sorts of attitudes and things were being were being questioned, and we had some really good changes. I, I think what encapsulated the changes and the extent to which they were necessary is the prosecuting counsel's speech in the Lady Chatley's trial. Chatted Lover was an allegedly naughty book. Right. And Penguin, the publisher, was taken to court. So the this was sixty one, so the Queen our late lamented Queen Elizabeth II was was the was still the monarch and nominally the head of state and person safeguarding our laws, etc. And it, this was entitled Regina and the Queen versus Penguin Books Limited. <laughs> all centred on this naughty book. And the prosecuting counsel summed up the Crown's case, saying this was a, a dreadful, dirty book because it dealt with sexual matters. And would you want this book lying around in your living room for your wife or your servants to pick up and read? Servants. Servants. <laughs> How long was it before 1961 that most people gave up having servants? <laughs> yeah, so that, that to me, is a classic instance of how far it had gone wrong and what needed to be done. For me, there's no such thing as subversive literature. There's literature. If you have to find it subversive, or the government of the day finds it subversive, well, well tough. I think people should be allowed to read what they want. Yeah. So today we are going to study a pro an English proverb that says Don't keep a dog and bark yourself. That's right. What that means, Gordon? For instance, let, let me illustrate this. 
the dog barks, you you keep the dog. You don't need to bark if you've got the dog. My late boss, Lord Rosenberg. 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 Yes, he. That's he, a Jewish name. I wonder if he, what if he was Jewish. I don't know, but he always used to respond when people asked him, "Why have you got this?" Used to so and so Thompson as your as your personal assistant doing your, writing your letters and so on, and he would say, "Well, he would say, well, no, no, no point keeping a dog and barking yourself. I just leave it to him." <laughs> he was Lord Rosenberg, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, he was Lord. Lord, yeah. Lord, I see. Self style, I have to say. But he, he was actually my dear friend Pippa's pet cockatiel. But he had ideas about his station. And, he, and he, he says one day, I need a PA. And you'll do. I see. <laughs> yeah. So I had to set him up an email address. I see. So he could write to the people at Classic FM and they played the same music too many times in his judgment. Is that what your job was yeah. as a PA sending uh, the emails PA. to yeah. Classical FM to yeah. stop playing the yeah. same songs over and over again? Yeah, he coined a phrase. Uh, the, a, the acronym for it is O-M-G-N-A. Oh my God, not again. <laughs> And he used to award pieces He used to make me count the number of times a certain piece was played per week, and then he'd look at the figures, and he'd say, "Well, this this today or this week's OMGNA award goes to whatever it was." <laughs> and it has to be said that Haskell's choice of music is not as wide as it might be, and mm. tends to concentrate on certain favourites. But his, his own personal favourite which he never tired, was the Beethoven Fifth Symphony. And everyone knows that. So you used to listen to classic FM yeah. in, the, in the office? Yeah, or at home, or whatever, yeah. Okay. And so he, he would never have issued an OMG NA award to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony because he loved it. <laughs> And, you know, famous, the famous three notes and a long note, la, 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 la. And I was using Victory V during the, the war when Britain broadcast to the occupied territories of the world. And it was a bit ironic that here was Britain fighting a war against Germany, was using music by a German composer. But we're not aware of some of the ironies of what we do and say, are we? And he loved the Beethoven Fifth Symphony, especially its first four notes, because you could sing the words big plates of meat to them. And he had large, he had magnificent feet. And plates of meat is the cockney for the feet. Place, pla big of plates meat. of meat. And big plates of meat. Big plates of meat, yeah, and you could sing that to the opening four notes of the Beethoven Fifth Symphony. And at one, one time... The, the PA was instructed to write a letter to John Suchet at Classic FM and he, Suchet, was a 
it was and still is, I would imagine, uh, a, a great fan of Beethoven's music. Right. And so Rocky wrote this letter asking was if Mr. Sousse was aware that he could sing the words Big Plates of Meat to the opening four notes of the Fifth Symphony. <laughs> Well, sometimes some fun you had, guys. Yeah, right. all, 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 all good fun, of course. And I, I, I remember this, this must have caused a bit of talking and laughter at Classic FM among the presenters there. Because one morning, Tim Lero, who does the morning breakfast programme, prefaced Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. This is the most famous piece of music. Everyone knows this one, he said. And there are some people in Croydon who know the words to this. <laughs> yes. It was you. To make life a little little happier, a little bit of fun. But the, the name he had was the uh, Gold, what do you call the uh, Goldberg? Lord Rosenberg. Rosenberg was one of the, at one point was in Germany, that they, 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 they let the Jewish to buy names and, and they, they could actually choose the name they wanted, but it was, you had to pay for you know, that's yeah. the, the government was making money. Oh, and Rosenberg was one of the, uh, the most expensive names you could buy. So the only the rich could afford. Yeah, uh, Lord Rosenberg, yeah. you, you, buy, you buy your dukedoms or whatever, don't you? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it, it, his full name, his full moniker was Rocchiano Reuben Cornelius, comma, Lord Rosenberg of Lower Addiscombe. Whoa! Today we are talking about, among other things, Santander, city in Spain, which people know about only because a famous building society then nearly went bust and was taken over by Banco Santander. I see. Yep. It's a building society. Yep. Abbey National, with whom I used to save money and who gave me a little mortgage when I first got on the property ladder many years ago now, they were a building society, which meant people bung money in and then they would dole money out with security from property, so they the mortgage and having national then advance them the money and so on to buy the houses. But then they demutualised, which means that they became a company, a limited company, a PLC, which had advantages in that the normal banking arrangements were open to them. They, they in turn, could borrow money there was a lot of what's called securitization, which meant that they put their mortgage portfolios up as security for money borrowed by the company. So it's a kind of grand system of IOUs, effectively. But it was secured lending because the money would come back when the mortgages were repaid or properties were sold under power right. of sale and so on. So it seemed a good idea. But many things seemed a good idea at that time. 
but then we had a couple of financial crashes, didn't we? Yes, but uh, come back to Santander. Yeah, Santander. So you you borrowed the money from this company, and from, that that company took over Santander Bank. Is yes, it? Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Abbey National became a PLC, and it was able to borrow money on the open money markets, which the Bureau of Societies basically didn't do or weren't allowed to do. So it brought them on to a le- more level playing field with the banks. So in the, in the old days, people borrowed money from banks or from building societies. I see. The, the banks had advantages. There were companies they could borrow with on, against security and so on. So what happened is that there was always going to be the risk that they would lend money that they would never get back. I see. Think America. I, I need to ask, be asking questions because you know what? In the, when I looked at the vlog from uh, from the East India, there was often cases. I, 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 you know, you were waiting for a question and you actually ask a question yourself at one point. I'm, be, I re, I'm relying too on too much on you that you, you know, you will carry on and uh, you know, but you can't go forever on some topics. And I need to be more cautious. You know when to actually. Yeah interrupt you and, and maybe lead you in the right way because you get you get carried away as you well lead, lead me because i do get carried away sometimes yeah. yes. so you need you need to direct me yeah. folks yeah. folks i'm here today with gordon who came and visited me 